You're listening to the Pipeline Show with. If one of y'all says some silly ass name, this whole class is gonna feel my wrath. Gee Flaming. Son of a bitch. This is Gee Flaming. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, and uh, the first guest of season 15 is the same guy as the uh, final guest of season 14. We re- uh, we previewed the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, before the. Uh, one week vacation, and uh, now that we're back from vacation, time to get back to work. Let's recap the Holinka Gretzky Cup with a guy who was there, uh, and uh, welcome back, Ross McLean. Uh, Ross, uh, thanks for do- thanks for doing this. Thanks for going overseas and uh, watching that tournament for me, since I didn't get to see a single second of it while I was camping out in Saskatchewan. Uh, so, uh, welcome back to the show. First off, uh, how was the trip? It's great. You've got me kind of lost, though. I don't know what this word vacation means. <laughs> Yes, I know. I take one week off, I come back, and I feel like I'm uh, way behind everybody else now. Uh, this tournament seemed like it sounds like it, it was uh, pretty entertaining. I, I tried to follow along as best I could, but I had really spotty internet connections, so I was reading your tweets as you were watching the games. Uh, but I guess the biggest surprise for me, maybe not the biggest surprise, but Canada doesn't win uh, the Holinka Gretzky Cup. That doesn't happen very often. It was the Russians who come away with the gold medal. How'd they get it done? Well, I think anybody that saw them play at U-17s this year uh, knew that they weren't a team to be taken lightly. Uh, they definitely don't play a style uh, and didn't play a style in this event, similar to what we kind of expect Russians to play. There was no showboating. Um, they weren't very soft. They were a gritty, hardworking, talented team. That talent that we do expect from those high-end Russian players was there, and it was throughout their lineup. But they, they ran their lines really well, uh, and they were a real team, and they won this by being a very strong team full of very strong players. Well, and I know the the big name uh, from the Russian squad that's caught everybody's attention. You talked about him before the tournament. Goaltender Yaroslav Askarov comes away with a, a buck 25 goals against average and a 960 save percentage uh, through the tournament, uh, getting into four games and winning that gold medal. Although, surprisingly, not named the player of the game uh, in that uh, final game against Canada. Uh, but everything you expected from him and maybe even more? Uh, absolutely. I've learned to kind of not know where to have him pegged yet because he just keeps getting better and better every single time you see him. He just does things that goaltenders don't do. He's so advanced. Uh, and I mean, he's got elite pro level qualities already in his game and he does things that elite pro level goalies now can learn from. Um, so, you know, the, the hype around this guy is real. He's got good size. He's athletic. He's mobile. Um, I just love the way he attacks pucks. He's a, a great puck tracker. Uh, his ability to make second and third saves. He's just, he's always a step ahead. He has that mind that you would think of an elite playmaker always being a step ahead. He has that mind as a goaltender. He's always a step ahead of everybody else and just knows where to be when situations happen. Well, that sounds like an outstanding prospect. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting a chance to watch him. Now, he can't score any goals and looks like uh, Alexander Passion was the guy to do that for Russia, ending the tournament with seven goals. Uh, tell me about his performance and if, uh, if who else from the Russian squad stood out for you. Uh, Passion to me was was the best forward in the tournament. Um, I, I was lucky enough to watch both pools play and traveled back and forth between Slovakia and the Czech Republic there to see uh, them. And every game, Passion brought it. And he just has this innate ability to always be where the puck's going to be and his executions and his thinking are extremely fast. He was probably the most consistent forward offensively in the tournament. It's extremely quick. Uh, and again, and we talk about Askarov always being a step ahead. Passion's one of those players that, again, always kind of seems to be a step ahead. He just creates 
opportunities from everywhere. Uh, not a big guy, five eight. Uh, he's listed at at least on the sheet that I'm looking at. But uh, one of those guys, you don't think size is going to be an issue? I don't think size is going to be an issue. If anything, his small size helps him. He is so slippery. He is so good at just finding those little spaces, getting underneath guys, and executing in tight on them. He doesn't need any time to actually plays. He's not a guy that holds the puck forever. He's a guy when the puck comes to him, he already knows what to do with it. Well, we'll go from team to team, but before we leave the Russians, anybody else from that squad that uh, that caught your attention? There was several guys from that, that team that grabbed my attention. Um, I think one of the other bigger names on this team um, is Shakir Mukhamadoulin, which is always a fun name to say and always eats up all the Twitter characters, so hard to talk about all the time. <laughs> but uh, this guy, he was probably their best defenseman uh, during the event. He, he's got great size. Uh, he's a good shooting option. He matched up against uh, a lot of the opposing team's power forwards, including in the final against Byfield, where he did a really good job against him. He could do a little bit of everything, play in every situation, and his shot is, is superb. He might have one of the best shots from the point in this draft class. Um, you know, beyond that, uh, Daniel Chaka, who's a late O2, um, was very, very good in this tournament. Um, saw a lot of major minutes for the Russians in crucial situations. And then up front, uh, Daniel Gushin, who's been very, very good in international play for the Russians for a few years now, um, has almost a Mikhail Granlund like skill set, a very good perimeter playmaker, very, very shifty, great instincts around the puck. Uh, and he played in all situations. He was extremely dangerous on, on the penalty kill. And then another guy that I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time watching that really kind of stood out for me from the Russians um, was Ivan Dudkovsky. And uh, he showed flashes of really, really good skill. Um, he was a real hard player to play against, drawing penalties, uh, maybe more of the typical Russian-style player, uh, a little bit soft on his feet at times, um, but definitely had some talent, knew where to go, uh, and made plays all tournament long. So, I mean, the list goes on for the Russians, but for me, those were, those were my big guys. All right, well, let's move to Canada. They come away with the silver medal, and that doesn't necessarily say they had a bad tournament because it uh, looks like through the round robin, they were blowing teams out of the water. Uh, Cole Perfetti uh, leads the team and the tournament in scoring with 12 points, but Hendricks Lapierre right behind him with 11 points. Those two guys, the best guys for Canada? They're up there. Um, it's certainly, you know, creating that offense and, and putting up points. The, the, their pool is not as strong as the other pool was, and I think the Russians did have the benefit of playing significant games the entire way through. I mean, even Slovakia, who finished the bottom of their pool, um, almost pushed Russia to defeat. So uh, every game Russia played in was very competitive, um, whereas you know Canada had, had blowouts and probably could have had a better game against uh, Finland, but the first game in the tournament, the Finns were definitely not ready with the younger lineup, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But, uh, you know, Perfetti, for as much attention um, as he got for, obviously, his heroics in the semifinal and, and the highlight reel goals, uh, he's perfectly capable of these, of, of these things, and it's really fun to watch. He's got this great skill set to him uh, and, and a, a very quick offensive thinker. Um, but he shows up in bursts, and that's kind of what I found during this event. It's what I found during the camp. It's what I found another time seeing him. Uh, it's not that he's lazy. It's not that he falls off. It's not that he's inconsistent. It's that he tracks the game very, very well. And really, that clutchability of his is his biggest strength. He shows up when he needs to. Um, and that line uh, with LaPierre and Justin Sertif was, was very fun to watch. Uh, they created a ton, uh, but certainly they struggled a little bit uh, in the final when a Russian team was prepared for them. Um, Hendricks Lapierre uh, had a great tournament as well. Um, his ability to create with his stick is incredible. Uh, he is so 
smooth and intelligent with the puck, and he has electrifying hands that can really make defenders look absolutely ridiculous. So two very, very creative uh, offensive players um, that I do believe deserve a ton of credit in this tournament, um, but I think other guys outplayed them um, like passion on on Russia and didn't get the credit that these that these guys did. All right, very good. I know there was a lot of attention going into the tournament for Quinton Byfield, and uh, although the the scoring is well behind uh, Perfetti and Lapierre, uh, is it fair to say he had a good tournament? Quinton Byfield still coming away with three goals and five points. Yeah, I really liked it. He's a matchup nightmare. Um, great size. Obviously, the comparisons to Evgeny Malkin have started to come out, and he does. He has this real Malkin feel to his game. He's powerful. He's really good with the puck in tight to his body, uh, can spin around and protect the puck extremely well in small spaces. Um, but he goes to the net a little bit more than, than Malkin does, uh, and, and he makes a lot of things happen around the net. In this tournament, he was doing a really good job of finding space away from pucks and capitalizing on loose pucks on rebounds and coming in and winning space against defenders. And I think that's what's going to kind of be his bread and butter as he moves forward is being that guy that can be a possession guy around the outside. Uh, I don't think he has the playmaking instinct that, that Malkin has, um, but I think he has a little bit better of a net presence uh, than, than Malkin does. So he's still got some some room to sort of find himself, but I think he showed himself very, very well. I certainly was very impressed with uh, what he has to offer. I know you were looking forward to Jamie Drysdale, and he comes away leading uh, Canada's uh, defenseman in scoring with five assists. When it comes to offense from the blue line, it seems like he was the guy that was bringing it. Not a lot of offense from anybody else, but he lived up to your expectations, fair to say? I think he was the best player in the tournament. And uh, I I don't think that that's a bold statement. I think uh, his skating ability, the way he reads the play, his instinct, uh, his leadership – he was exceptional, and exceptional on every shift. So reliable, so consistent. Uh, and, I mean, you watch him, and you feel like you're watching a young Scott Niedemeyer. Um, his efficiency and his movements remind uh, me a lot of Duncan Keith and how he really changed defensemen in the way that he moves his feet and, is, uh, and gets from point A to point B so efficiently. This guy has those abilities. I don't think enough people are talking about this guy. To me, if this guy here is in the top three conversation – I'm okay with it. I'm okay if my team says, hey, you know what? We need a we need a number one defenseman and goes after this guy first overall. I would not be disappointed in that. This guy is that good. And this guy deserves that kind of credit as well. Uh, he can do everything. He's an absolute cornerstone defender. Wow, all right. High praise for uh, Jamie Drysdale. Um, now, there are guys who didn't produce a lot of offense. Doesn't automatically mean they had bad tournaments, but I know – you were looking forward to Connor McLennan. I'm surprised Jake Neighbors came away with no points in the tournament. Theo Rochette, another guy, no points in the tournament. Damon Hunt, no points. But did all these guys have bad tournaments, or how would you assess the play of some of them? I thought Jake Neighbors was actually one of Canada's best and most consistent players. Um, he played a role, and he did it extremely well. He was often on the ice against top players from other teams. Uh, was definitely the best 200-foot player on the team, Um controlled the middle of the ice very, very well. Um, I still am kind of shocked that he didn't end up producing anything offensively, mm-hmm. but I think he I think he adopted his role very, very well and was an extremely important piece for this Canadian team. Can that hurt a guy moving forward? Can, can a guy like Jake Neighbors, who we know in the WHL he can put up numbers, but we also know that he's, we call him the Swiss Army Knife guy, can that hurt a guy moving forward where he maybe gets typecast as a more of a shutdown checking kind of guy? I don't think so. I mean, there are certainly situations where it could, but with him, I don't believe that that's a, a factor. I don't believe that that's a concern. Uh, obviously, 
you really like players that are versatile and that are willing to play a role on a team. And, you know, when you're talking about uh, teenagers and trying to project them for how good they're going to be in their mid twenties, uh, knowing that a kid can make those sacrifices, um, for to, it speaks a lot to character and character is no mistake. The penultimate trait that you want in a player. Uh, if the player does not have character, they're going to cause you problems. And this is a guy that's not going to cause you problems. He's going to fix a lot of problems for you. So I think his versatility, and certainly in his case and his with his skill set, uh, I don't think it hurts him at all. I think he really helped himself in terms of what he did in this event and showing that he's willing to do that and he can still be noticeable and an impactful player. Because I would rank him among the top three most impactful Canadian players in this tournament. Uh, Ross, there's a, a big player with the Windsor Spitfires, Will Cooley, I believe his name pronounced. You can correct me if uh, if that's incorrect but uh, a guy with uh, lots of size already uh, how did he show in this tournament well he was very interesting he's a guy at u17s i loved because he he played to his strengths and his strengths are at the net front uh he is the type of player that uh you want to basically move the puck and then go to some space and create some havoc and this tournament he didn't have an opportunity to do that as much uh, but he did showcase a little bit of being able to cut to the middle and and, and get shots off um, certainly in the final, I think the game plan was for them to try and get as many shots as they could early in the game. And he rushed a few shots that I would have liked to see him hold on to. Uh, the great thing here is that there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of work, a lot of mechanics still left to teach with him to make him, uh, significantly, uh, stronger in terms of the opportunities that he's able to create with the package that he has. But I mean, uh, as a net front presence, this guy has great hand eye, uh, very, very good reactions around rebounds, and he knows how to screen goalies and obviously has the size to do so. So there's still a very intriguing, intriguing uh, package of skills there that, uh, that, that, that he provides, and certainly he'll, uh, he'll provide us with some, some good banter over how to pronounce his name over the next <laughs> little while too. Well, I'll have to get him on the show and uh, hear it from him uh, firsthand. Before we move on from Canada, anyone else you want to touch on before we go? I mean, there's lots of guys again on this team that, that we could that we could touch on. Uh, yeah. A guy that that really kind of stuck out and 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 jumped out a little bit for me was Maverick Bork. I wasn't expecting him to stand out as much as he did, um, especially when they had him playing a role. But uh, but he did. Uh, let's move on to uh, the the uh, one of the host teams, the Czech Republic. Uh, and uh, I know you were looking forward to seeing a couple of their players in particular. Uh, anybody that uh, well. Michael, and I'm going to butcher all of these names, so uh, Michael Gutt ends up leading them in scoring with just four points, but what kind of a tournament did the Czechs have? The Czechs had a decent tournament. Uh, again, they were in, a, they were in uh, the, the the pool that I would consider was a little bit weaker. Um, it wasn't the strongest entry from, from their group, uh, but certainly there were some good players on that team. Michael Gutt was definitely their best player. Uh, and the only reason I know how to say his name is because they announced it a lot over the last speaker <laughs> in the Czech Republic, so... Um, he was the captain of the team. So he's a very slick and creative player. Uh, shoots very, very well. He's got really strong, explosive lateral cuts. Uh, he was standing up for teammates, showing really good leadership and character. Um, scored a great goal against Canada starting the third period where he crossed the line, fired a shot, tracked his own rebound, and uh, hammered home a rebound. Um, so this is a guy that I think shows a versatility and ability to adapt to play a European style um, skill game, but also to play kind of those uh, games where it's a lot harder to win spaces in the middle. And uh, so I, I really liked him. Um, there's a couple other guys in the check that 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 showcased, but nobody was close to Goot in terms of uh, in terms of prospect status. Uh, well, I know you were looking forward to. I want and I'm going to butcher it again, but Deanne Mysack, uh, it, how how did he show? 
it was a little disappointing, I have to say. I don't really ever like to speak ill uh, of guys, but I was just expecting more. Um, I was I was really impressed with him at U17s. He showcased his ability to separate himself, and I just felt that this event he wasn't able to really demonstrate that. So I don't know if it was uh, you know missed development or if other guys have caught up to him, but he just never really stood out like I wanted him to stand out during this event. All right. How badly did I butcher that name? <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Okay. The Czech names are always hard because you get the accents on the letters, and we don't always get the accents on the letters when we come. So, All right. Well, I'm better with the Finns. I don't know why that is, but uh, the guy who ended up leading Finland in scoring was Roni Hervonen, but this wasn't necessarily a guy that was high on my uh, radar for guys to watch in this tournament, Atu Ratti and, and, and Brad Lambert. Uh, and even some of the guys, a couple of the guys playing in the WHL this year, in Casper uh, Puccio and, and Jesse Seppala, uh, those guys were the guys on my radar. But Hervin uh, ends up leading the team in scoring. Yeah, I, I, he was great in this tournament. I mean, he's a smaller player, great, excellent playmaking instinct, uh, very, very intelligent, great at creating from the perimeter, quick lateral cuts, identifies really well, uh, highly reactive. Uh, was really good behind the net. He made a lot of plays happen from low to high, from below the goal line, uh, and just creates offense. Really competitive. Has that real good stereotypical finish grit to him, uh, where you know even though he's smaller, he's not afraid to go anywhere to try and make a play. Uh, I had liked him before, but I I really really liked him during this event. I called him Brad Lambert. It's probably Brad Lambert, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. I wouldn't go with the French pronunciation. I wouldn't expect, but no, it's it's the Saskatchewan pronunciation. That's right. Um, all right. Well, tell me about uh, Lambert's uh, play in this event. He comes away with three goals, and uh, I know there's big expectations for him. This was the first time I got to see him play live, and I was super impressed. This guy is explosive. Um, as one of the younger players in the event, I think he might have even been the youngest player in the, in the event, or second youngest player in the event, uh, he did not look like it. He was an impact player for the Finns. He's got a great shot, uh, can shoot off the rush, is really smart around the net, has great offensive timing, very, very good instinct. Um, but his first few strides create separation that is really, really dangerous, and he has that elite level. To me, that explosive skating uh, is one of the biggest predictors uh, of success at the next level. I think this guy here has a really bright future. Well, he's not eligible until 2022, and uh, Ratty not until 2021. So is it a a bad sign for Finland right now that uh, some of their better players are uh, underage guys? I don't think it's a bad sign. Um, You know, certainly it's always an interesting uh, interesting place to be put in. Uh, you know, we've seen it before uh, in your I mean, if you look at Canada this year, Canada's top player is a, is a late birthday as well. Now, certainly there's a lot more players in Canada than there are in Finland, as there's a larger population in Canada than there is in Finland. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it hurts them at all. Um, Raddy is, is certainly uh, mature. He doesn't look like he's uh, not eligible for this draft. He looks like he would be eligible for this draft. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for them, they still have they had a really good they had good depth on their team it just they weren't always able to to put it together and uh, uh i i think they probably deserved a little bit better in some of the games that they played but i i would say pretty strongly that they were definitely the fourth best team in this tournament all right and casper pudio i know you mentioned him a few times on twitter as guy who stood out to you during the games first uh, player taken in the chl import draft will play in swift current this year what can bronco fans expect from him well, I was really impressed with him this whole event. Um, Finland relied on him heavily. Uh, he's a very well-rounded defender. He was used in every single situation. He's got pretty good 
distribution skills that can certainly be improved but are already quite good. Uh, great movement mechanics, um, certainly has room to improve power, and I think the Western League is going to be a really good spot for him to develop uh, and play against to actually fit what he needs uh, as a player. So I think this is a guy who might not hit the ground running, but certainly is going to develop into uh, a very reliable and I imagine well-liked defender for the Broncos. Ross McLean, independent scout and longtime contributor with uh, Hockey Canada over the last uh, decade or so. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Shows, recapping the Holinka Gretzky Cup. The other host team, Slovakia, uh, was it a forgettable tournament for Slovakia or did they show well? I think they showed really well. I actually, and and I heard a few scouts uh, mention this, um, that it was probably one of the best Slovakian teams in this tournament in many years. Uh, they were a very quick, skilled team. Uh, they had some good depth, but they had some good players up front too. And they were in every game that they played. They could have beaten anybody. Uh, so this was a very competitive uh, and, and fun team to watch. Uh, the, the first game of the tournament um, that, that they played uh, against Sweden was an excellent game. It was a lot of fun to, to be in attendance for and watch. Um, they were led by Martin Kromiak, uh, who was Mr. Everything for them. And he was very, very impressive. I think he's a guy who threw his name on the radar big time um, for NHL teams. He's really patient, reads the game really well, moves really well, great quick, has a really good variety of release and balance points that he executes from, strong on his edges, and a really deceptively powerful shot. His ability to get his get the puck off and hard um, surprised a lot of goaltenders and defenders. All right, let's move on to Sweden. And uh, this is a team I think everybody's expecting them to to fare well in international uh, tournaments. And uh, this one, again, seemed like uh, they had some notable players. Zion Nybeck was the guy I think you had penciled in as uh, the must-watch player for, for Sweden in the tournament. Uh, how did he show? I don't think he lived up to expectations. And again, I don't like speaking ill of, of these guys, um, but he, he certainly didn't lead the team. There were other guys that stepped up. Um, and while he's the most experienced player uh, of the group and is kind of that third musketeer um, with the big guys, Holtz and Raymond, that weren't there, um, it wasn't his team. Other guys took total control of this team. Um, quite frankly, this team was as good as uh, their goaltender. And Jesper Wallstead, as good as Askarov was in this tournament, um, Wallstead was right there with him. And I think he proved that in the, the semifinal game against Canada. Um, the Canadian team was a significantly stronger team than, than the Swedish team. Um, but Wallstead made that game close and the fact that it could have gone either way and it took Paul Perfetti's heroics uh, to stop him. But this is a guy that deserves a ton of credit. Uh, I had watched him before and definitely saw that there was something, but in this event, he had taken a big step forward. Uh, he's very calm. He's composed. He's big in the net, takes up space. Well, got really good, strong angles, uh, and depth control, he's a very good puck tracker. And he controls the game really well from the crease. He's the kind of goalie that inspires confidence when he's in the net. And as a coach, uh, that's certainly probably the, the penultimate skill you'd want from a goaltender uh, is the fact that when they're in there, you don't have to worry about it. And I really got that feeling with him during this event, maybe even more than Askarov at times. So he was certainly a guy um, through this event that I think maybe pushed his stock uh, extremely high. Well, Wallstead not uh, eligible again until uh, 2021. So some of the under underage players uh, performed very well in the tournament. Notable name for the other goaltender for the Swedes, Kelly Klang. If you're a goaltender, that's a that's the sound you like to hear is uh, <laughs> ringing off the post. 
how do you play? Because his numbers are actually pretty good. Buck 50 goals against and a 953 save percentage. Did you get a look at him? Yeah, I got a look at him. Um, I, I, certainly, I think Wallstead was the stronger of the two, and sure. I think he proved that in terms of how, how he was uh, how he was used in the event. But Clang's another goalie that is uh, there's, a, there's some potential there. Uh, he moves well, has really good athleticism. Um, I'd like to see him maybe track pucks into saves a little bit better, but that's something there's there's very fixable flaws uh, in his game, and that's kind of what you like to see in goaltenders at, at this age. When when you have guys that there's nothing to fix, it's hard to project them as being much better than they than they already are. So um, there's certainly a lot to work with with Klang, uh, and he, and there's a good base there. And a great name for a goalie. Uh, if it wasn't Nyback leading the way offensively for Sweden, who was it this year? Well, to me, their whole offense and really everything came from um, a defender. It came from Emil Andre. Um, he was not only their best defender, but I think he was their best transitional player and their best offensive uh, option. Um, he's smaller, but I wouldn't call him too small. He's very mobile. He's aggressive. He's got great reads, strong anticipation, skates the puck very well. And he was the guy that set everything up off the power play. He was the guy that was Mr. Everything for them. Um, and... Uh, he was the real playmaker on the team. He was the real guy that, that was the engine that, that drove them to, to scoring goals. Um, probably the best player in terms of being their, their finishing option uh, was Daniel Torgerson. Uh, and he's more of a complimentary player. He's big power forward, good scoring instincts, got pretty good hands for his size, good at finding room away from pucks to be an option, uh, but really good release on his shot. He's the kind of guy that doesn't need a lot of room to get a shot off. Uh, so if you give him a nice little quick one-timer pass, he's going to hammer it and usually places it very, very well and follows plays to the net well. And he's got that size where he's, he's hard to handle around the net. So he was a guy that uh, I certainly liked um, that could be a, a, compliment, a complimentary player. Um, but uh, Andre really, really impressed me in terms of his ability to actually take control of the team uh, and, and lead the play for them. Switzerland uh, did not fare well in the tournament, only scored three goals in the entire event. Fair to say this was a disappointment for them? Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I, they actually had some pretty good talent on their team. Um, I know just in watching the games, I was kind of left scratching my head with some of the decisions that they made. Uh, they often shortened their bench in the third period uh, and, and really kind of left guys, uh, really rode guys that you know maybe did one or two good things. They started riding them more and more and more. Uh, and those guys were were exposed later because they were they were just getting outworked because they were getting tired. Um, and every game it seemed to be somebody different. Uh, and you know this was a team that wasn't able to manufacture a ton of of good quality scoring opportunities. And uh, there's some talent there that you could see could do it, uh, but they just didn't have the structure to be able to, and the chemistry maybe uh, to be able to do it. And I don't know if it's fair to put that blame on the coaches or, or not, or, you know, if this was just a case of a group of players that just didn't necessarily match very well. Mm-hmm. I know there was one guy in particular you were looking forward to watching. I forget which player you had singled out. Well, there's, there's a few guys on this team um, that I had known and, and liked uh, before going into it. Uh, Noah Delamont, who, who was a high pick in the import draft, was certainly one of the guys that I wanted to watch. Um, and he he really struggled in this event. Um, he is a player that loves the puck, wants to hang on to it, and is high risk. And when he didn't have the support options, uh, ended up running himself into a lot of trouble. Uh, certainly the skill is impressive, and there's a lot to work with there. And I think he's going to develop into a very, very strong uh, player. And he's exciting when he, when he can pull off some of the moves that he's capable of doing. Um, but in a short-term competition in an event like this on a team that was struggling for offense, um, his risk was not rewarded very often. Um, one of the other players that I was really looking forward to 
uh, watching in this event was Stefano Battini, um, mostly because he came over to Canada to work with me before uh, going to the uh, camp, and he, and he made the team. And uh, I was really impressed with how he showed him showcased himself uh, during the event, but was often kind of as as a, as a new guy on the team was often uh, one of the uh, the guys in the late in the late stages of the game that was was left on the bench quite a bit and okay. wasn't able to get a shot off still needs to kind of develop uh, physically a little bit more but there's some really good long-term potential with him um but i think probably the again another team that the the best players um most consistent players on this team that i liked um were underage players uh, noah meyer uh, a late 02 uh, showed some really good uh, flashes of uh, puck rushing ability and intelligence uh, still has a lot of room to kind of maybe improve his consistency and be a little bit more reliable defensively, but has some real good confidence around the puck and, and can do so in all three zones. And that probably the player that I was the most impressed with on the Swiss team was 2003, uh, Dario Sidler, small, smooth, mobile defenseman got in the way. His size didn't seem to matter at all. Like this kid was a pit bull. He went after everything and he could rush the puck, distributed it well. Uh, and I think that there's, there's something there with him. All right, last team to touch on uh, would be the Americans. And uh, it seemed like it was just a kind of an average tournament for the U.S. I know some of the players that we talked about as uh, potential leading scorers for them, they, they got some points, but really was didn't seem, statistically speaking, like it was a, a, a notable event for the U.S. when they finished fifth or sixth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they finished sixth, losing the Czech Republic in the fifth-place game. Um there was some talent there, but certainly um, there, was, there was a pretty wide variation on this team. Obviously, some guys that hadn't played at a level like this before. Um, so a good learning experience for some of them. Uh, but there was definitely there was some guys there. There were some guys that uh, definitely threw themselves on the radar. Uh, the captain, uh, Jake Ratzlaff, was outstanding. Um, this is a kid I'm surprised isn't on the isn't on the national development team program. He's, he's very very good, um, excellent instincts, reads the game very well, great overall skill set, very well rounded, intelligent player with mobility, great pace to his game, and really quick, smart, reliable decision making. Um, I, I was very very impressed with this guy, and this is a guy that I could see um, finding his name on 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 the first round of the draft board if he continues to develop uh, and showcase the game. Um, the way that he did at, at this event. Wow, 6'3 already as well, so he's got the size for sure. Uh, anybody else from the U.S.? I know we threw out names like Cross Annis you were looking forward, and Ryan Kerwin, and I asked about Blake Biondi. How how players like that uh, show themselves in the Helenka Gretzky this year? Well, I was actually pretty impressed with Blake Biondi. Um, he's got kind of an Alex Tuck feel to his game. Okay. Uh, he's got good size, uses it well in contested spaces. doesn't make a ton happen on his own from the outside, um, but when you put him in the slot and below, uh, he can really make things happen without a whole lot of help. You throw the puck to him in those areas, he can drive the net very well, and he's got really good hands uh, and tight to the net. Uh, he showed that a lot. He was a real hard matchup for guys around the net, just finds little gaps in coverage all the time. Uh, so definitely the type of player that can power his way to the net, but you know, if you can put the puck to the net when he's already there, odds are he's going to make something happen. Threw a couple big hits in corners uh, as well, wore down some defenders, uh, so he was a likable player, the kind of guy you know you kind of like having on your team. Uh, certainly, um, probably the guy I was the most impressed with uh, from the forward side from them was Marcus Stappa. Um, he's a, just a really good 200 foot player. Played hard, played aggressive, had good instinct, highly intelligent, above average offensive thinker, but not overly flashy or creative. Just kind of gets the job done using kind of good compete and, and intelligence and certainly wasn't an easy player to play against tons of stick battles that he was winning. Um, 
in the middle of the ice and along the boards. So he's a player that I really liked. And another defenseman off the team that uh, certainly hit the radar for me was Wyatt Kaiser. Yep. Uh, he jumped out more than once. He's a pretty good transitional skater, quick reads, good instincts. Uh, I really liked his ability to surround contested pucks, so it was really hard to to beat him uh, in corner battles and, and make plays quickly on puck pursuits. Uh, just a good ability to create separation, uh, wins pucks, and, and, and gets plays started for his team. Uh, so he was just the, a guy that, uh, especially as the tournament progressed, I started to like him more and more. I started to kind of show a little bit every single game. So I think he was gaining confidence. I think he was enjoying the level of play and the style of play and, and started to catch up to the pace and started to show things. So that's a guy that uh, I certainly circled that I want to see and track uh, what his progression's like this year. Overall, the goaltending story uh, was Yaroslav Askarov, but uh, Jesper Wallstead showing really well. Of the other goaltenders in the tournament, who immediately comes to mind as uh, a guy who had a good one? Uh, I really liked both Canadian goaltenders, uh, Dylan Garan and uh, Tristan Lennox. I, Tristan Lennox is really growing on me. Uh, there's a confidence there um, that isn't always necessarily consistent yet, but I think it's going to get there. And he's got almost a Matt Murray feel to me uh, in, in where his development path is going to go. Uh, and uh, I, I, I've been hot and cold on him, but I, I got to say, he's just a guy that is certainly definitely on my, I like him side. And I want to keep following him as he goes this year, because I think, I really think that he's got the potential if he keeps developing. And, and again, he's a guy, as I, I mentioned before, has some, has some obvious flaws as a goaltender, which when you're looking at a teenage goaltender, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So the fact that you can look at him and see that he can play at the level that he can play at and there's still a lot to do and fix, um, I really like. So I'm pretty excited about uh, Tristan Lennox. And, and Dylan Grant, I, his compete is outstanding. Highly athletic. Um, he was very, very good in this tournament. Obviously, you know, people look at the numbers in the, in the final um, and, you know, want to say that, oh, you know, they only had 13 shots and they got three goals. You you got to understand the quality of the Russian shots. Russia was setting up their shots. These were he did not have an easy save in that final. Um, Askarov had a lot of easy saves in the final because the Canadians were shooting from the outside a lot early in the game um, to try and get pucks to the net, and he had a lot of saves that weren't that difficult. He had a lot of difficult saves as well, especially later in the game. Um, but uh, you know, certainly, I think Dylan Garan needs a little bit more credit than he's been given um, in terms of his ability and and his performance during this event. Before we wrap it up, anybody that we haven't touched on already that you think deserves some recognition? Uh, A couple guys that just sort of hit my radar. Um, Switzerland's Jocelyn Dufay. Um, Good size, emerging power forward potential, thinks the game well. Um, Slovakia, uh, Jan Lasik was a player that I wanted to watch a little bit more. Um, He had a bit of an up-and-down tournament, but he was pretty calculated, quite opportunistic. Showed some flashes of strong skill, uh, but really does need to kind of work on his consistency, um, get a little bit stronger. Um, and then, I mean, I could talk about every Canadian player. There was there was a lot there. Certainly, Connor McLennan um, showed some different skills in this event. He was a super pest, um, which surprised me. Um, you know, wasn't used in offensive situations a ton, but this was a guy in the final. Uh, you know, one of my favorite moments of the final was as Askarov was stymieing them over and over and over again. Uh, McLennan just kind of snuck in after the play and stood at the top of his crease and just barked at him for a good 10 seconds. And Askarov just turned his back on him and ignored him. But that's, that was the role that he took. He was identifying those opportunities to get under guy's skin and trying to play that role for the team. And so, you know, at times 
there's an emotional line that you want to see guys walk. Um, and I think he was learning that, but there are times also where you really like it when a guy goes and has that little element of gamesmanship. So, um, that was kind of fun to watch too. Awesome. We'll watch for that when he's playing with the Winnipeg ice uh, this year. Ross is always terrific job. Uh, and, uh, I hope you don't mind if I call you, uh, more often this season as, uh, 15th season of the pipeline show goes forward. Please do. I think the only guy whose voice I like hearing more than my own is yours. That's Ross McLean, longtime scout, longtime contributor to the Pipeline Show, and obviously a, a very big weirdo with that last comment. I uh, always love having him on the show, though, and look forward to having him on the program more often this coming season. Let me know what you thought of his uh, assessment of the Helenka Gretzky Cup. Again, I didn't get to see a second of it. I was uh, in Cypress Hills in uh, southern Saskatchewan between Swift Current and uh, Medicine Hat, enjoying a little downtime with uh, extended family. And our internet connection was uh, not up to snuff, so I could not watch any of the games. Certainly, I could barely follow along with what was happening over the course of the week. It sounded like um, Canada, as I was, until I spoke with Ross, it sounded like Canada was crushing their pool, and the Russians were pretty good on their side, and then they ended up meeting in the final, but uh, and Russia winning that. But really tough to tell about uh, personal, individual performances by players, so great to get the rundown and the recap from Ross McLean. All right, let's get to it. We're going to kick off 22 individual team-by-team WHL previews. All 22 clubs will be represented. We're going to speak with uh, most often. It'll be the general manager. Sometimes it'll be the coach. In a few cases, that's the same guy. But we're going to do that uh, hard and heavy for the next five weeks leading up to the WHL's regular season as the CHL opens uh, for business the weekend of uh, the September 20th weekend. The Oil Kings uh, first couple of games are the 21st and 22nd. And the reason I mention the Oil Kings, they're the first team up this year. General Manager Kurt Hill previews the Edmonton Oil Kings for the 2019-20 season next here on the Pipeline Show. I'm Trey Fitzwilanski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line now, Fitzwilanski cutting in right circle. Dances around his man to his backhand. Forehand, he scores! <laughs> Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilanski. What a move, what a shot, what a goal. Oh mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. 